joyful, joyful we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above, melts the clouds of sin and sad. Thank you for joining us for this program from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our program with others. Now, we take you to the service of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Open up your Bible to uh, the book of James. We're talking about we're talking about the idea of a faith that works, a faith that works. And, and that's an important thing for us to really uh, begin to grasp in our life because faith is not something that is just about sitting still in the moment. Faith is not just about uh, sitting in the pew. Faith is a, a word of action. Faith is not just a belief. Faith is not just, uh, I think there is a God. Faith is, I believe there is a God. I think there is a God. I know there is a God. And I'm going to prove it to you by the things that I do, by the way that I talk, by the way that I act, by the way that I live my life. You're going to be able to look at me and know that I believe that there is a God. And so that is really what James is about. James is about if you have faith in God, what is your life supposed to look like? Like, how are you supposed to act? What are some things that you're supposed to do? And we're in uh, the third lesson of this. It's, it's a brief series. It's not a long book. Uh, I didn't want us to get bogged down uh, in, in the letter uh, because it's not a very long letter. So we're taking five, le- taking five lessons from it, uh, this being the third. But today we're going to talk about um, maybe something that is, for, for some of you, maybe for all of us, the most difficult part of what he wants to share with us through this book. And it's thinking about the words that we say and how we say them, how we use them, and the importance of letting our words show our faith to other people. When you think about words, I want to put some context with it. I want you to think about the power of words for just a moment. With words, the universe and all of creation was spoken into existence. With words, Jesus healed. With words, Jesus cast out demons. You, you go away from maybe a, a scriptural idea here, and you think about words have overturned empires. Words have caused uh, countries and nations to rise and then to fall. Uh, when you think about our worship, we worship through words, through song. Our confessions are through words. Our teaching are through words. Politics, business, and relationships all center around words. Our words are so very important. And James, in what we call chapter 3, begins to bring in this idea that we have to practice faith actions through the things that we say. So let's jump right in to our text that we're going to be looking at this morning, starting in James chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. James chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. He says, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is perfect. Uh, or he is a perfect man and able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses, we, uh, we make them obey. We can turn the whole animal or take a ship 
as an example, although they are large, they are driven by strong winds. They are steered by a very small rudder, whatever the, wherever the pilot wants it to go. Likewise, the tongue is like a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Let's stop right there for just a second. We'll pick up there in just a few moments. But let's talk about this for a moment. The first thing I want you to think about, the first thing I want you to kind of wrap your mind around this morning is that there is great power in your words. There is great power in your words. We should all use our words for influence. Uh, That's one thing that I think is very important. We should all use our words to influence others in the direction of God. But he begins this section talking about teachers. And, and the idea that if you want to be a teacher, you need to think very hard about that. Because being a teacher is not a position of privilege. Being a teacher is not a position of, 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 of importance in many ways. He says being a teacher actually puts you in a situation where you're going to be judged more harshly. You're, the things that you say, the words that you use, the way you direct other people is going to be looked at and critiqued by God in a strong way. You know, we don't like to think about the idea that God may judge me based on what I do more harshly than someone else. We just, a lot of times when I have this idea of, of a, a, a loving and benevolent God that um, is just going to look over our faults and sins, and, and I believe through grace, there's grace teaches some of that, but, but it's not to the extent that everything gets overlooked if we just if we just walk away or just do it our own way or don't do it God's way there is a standard in which we must live and he says as teachers he said don't get wrapped up in 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 the grandeur of teaching because understand that being a teacher is something that is so important that God is going to look at the things you say with a microscope he's going to really pay attention to those things And if you don't want to be judged more harshly, he said, that's not something you want to move into. You you don't want to be a part of that. Why? Because our our words have power. Our words have power. Flip with me over to Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 and 37. I'll read that for you very quickly. Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 and 37 and not just teachers, but, but I think all of us need to understand this. He says, but I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Think about that. By every careless word you have spoken. I'm going to tell you what. The, the time that I am maybe, and this shouldn't be the case, maybe, shouldn't be the case, but parents, I think we understand this. There are times that we choose our words as parents very carefully. And do you know when that is? It's when we're riding in the car with our kids. Have you ever had a conversation with your kids and you're trying to talk about somebody? You know, you're trying to talk about something and you're having this conversation with your spouse and you're trying to talk about, you know, say I'm, say I'm trying to talk about Brian. I'm like, you know, that guy at church that always wears an Alabama shirt that has glasses he goes and eats with us quite a bit. He's got two kids. And you're trying to be real careful because you don't want your kids to know you're talking about Brian. And then one of your kids goes, oh, you mean Brian? And you're like, okay, so I wasn't careful enough. But you know, that, that, that there are moments in our life that we want to say something, we want to talk about something, but we try to be so careful because we don't want anybody else to know what we're saying and talking about. He says, in those moments, you need to understand, guess who else is listening? God's listening. 
And he says, you're going to be judged on every careless word. Now, that scares me a little bit. How many times have you just gotten mad and just let words fly? Words of frustration, words of aggravation. How many times have you been just frustrated and it just, you just start, just, just, I mean, you're just running your mouth. How many times have you been mad and you're just running your mouth or someone has done something to you and it's hurt your feelings and you're just running your mouth. You're just careless with your words. You don't care. I'm just trying to get it out. I can't keep it in. I'm just, I'm just trying to vent. You know, we, we try to justify things with that word. I'm just trying to vent, you know. Every word God hears, our words are powerful, and our words can either get us into the kingdom gates or they can keep us out of it when eternity rolls around. And he says, be careful with that. Understand that. And, and, and when I think about the illustrations that he's fixing to use, and, and I, I don't know what happened technology-wise. I put my stuff in this morning, and, and they didn't sync up, but that's okay. I had a picture of the USS Ronald Reagan. And up until 2017, the USS Ronald Reagan was... Uh, the largest aircraft carrier uh, in the world. It's been surpassed by, by the next one by just a little bit. But the, the USS Ronald Reagan is at least three football fields long. It carries 90 different aircraft fully loaded. It carries a, a, a between five and 6,000 people, depending on its makeup. That's the, the population of Haleville can fit on, a, on the USS Ronald Reagan. That's, that's how big this thing is. But it is... It is controlled and driven by two propellers that are only 25 feet wide. 25 feet wide. That's not really that big in the grand scheme of things, is it? 50 feet of propellers will take this huge, huge ship that carries all this fancy, I, I think it was like 10 million gallons of water. This, uh, uh, yeah, 10 million gallons of water this thing displaces just just empty just the, when it just initially sits down into the water like it's it's crazy it's crazy 50 feet of propellers drives and controls this whole thing your words have that kind of power your words have that kind of power little things but big output what you do with your words will steer the ship of your life and it's such an important thing to remember. Um, another thing I read this week as I was kind of studying and trying to figure out the power of words, there is one word that is used in advertising today that helped double the profit margin of shampoo in America. Do you know what that one word was? Repeat. Repeat. They had always put wash, rinse on the back of shampoo bottles, and somebody one day goes, hey, I got an idea, let's tell them to repeat that. And it doubled the sales, one word, doubled the sales of an entire uh, industry. Words are powerful, words are important. We are to understand that words form our house of being, or another way of saying that is the words we speak become the place we live. We have to live with those things. If we talk in positive ways and encouraging ways, we're going to live in a world that is full of more positiveness and encouraging. If you wonder why in the world is, I, do I, is my life just filled with so much negative stuff, what's coming out of your mouth? Are you speaking negative things into the world? If so, then, um, then your, your world, your house that you're going to live in is going to be negative more so than positive, because of the words that you use. Another thing that I found this week that was interesting, when I'm thinking about, you know, influencing the things around you, how many of you like coffee? 
How many of you like coffee? How many of you love coffee? Okay, let me ask it this way. How many of you like coffee, just plain black coffee? Okay, that's not near as many of you. How many of your coffee tastes more like a pound of sugar when you get, like, it's got to taste that way, right? You've heard of the color wheel, correct? Everybody knows that there's a color wheel, and this color connects to this color and all this stuff. There is now a coffee flavor wheel that if you like your, your, your coffee to be in this category, these are the things that you add to it. And the, but at the end of the day, very few people like just, very few people that I've met actually just like just plain straight, just plain Jane Black coffee. You always got to add something to it to make it what you want. Me personally, when I drink coffee, I like Fruity Pebble Creamer. It's my favorite cereal. Just make it. You snarl your nose at it. That's okay. I don't know what you put in yours. That's what I'm going to put in mine. That's what I want mine to taste like. Your world is the same way. Your world is influenced by what you put into it. And the thing you put into it the most every single day is what? Words. It's words. So let your words be full of fragrance. Let it be full of sweetness. Let it be full of joy. Let it be full of positiveness and encouraging because your words are powerful. All right. Well, I don't need that. Sorry. Go back. That's just habit right there. Let's go to the next idea here. Let's pick up in verse 5 and read through verse 8. He says, Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and it itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is restless. Uh, it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. I mean, if you remember in uh, 2016 when, when Gatlinburg caught on fire and the fires in the Smoky Mountains, um, do you know what that was caused by? Two boys playing with matches. Two boys playing with matches set nearly all of Gatlinburg on fire that weekend. And this is what I want you to understand. We need to treat each word like a match. One word can do all kinds of damage. This one match... It, um, it took weeks to get this fire under control completely. It burnt 15,000 acres of, of forest in the, in the mountains. It burned up 2,000 structures between uh, houses and businesses and hotels. One word can be as damaging as a match. I want you to think about that. I, I don't believe that many of us understand the influence that we have with what we say. And my, my thinking and thought of it is it's usually not the original words that come out of my mouth that get me in trouble. Don't get me wrong. My words can get me in trouble and have and will and do get me in trouble. But usually what happens is when I use careless words, as, as Jesus talks about in the book of Matthew, what happens is I use my careless words and then someone else is careless with the words that I've used. And then someone else is careless with their version, and then their version. And before I know it, my careless words, even though may have only been spoken to Jake, Jake then goes and shares his version of those words to three or four people, and then three or four people, and then three or four people. And it turns in, did you hear what Matthew said? How I many of you ever heard that phrase about someone? And how often is it that what you've heard they've said really is what they've said? Probably not to the fullest extent. 
But those careless words started a fire that just burned a little further, burned a little further, burned a little further. We have to be so careful with the words that we use. And I believe that there are three areas in our life that really right now in the culture that we live in, in in the faith that we're trying to walk, that we need to make sure that we are living this and paying attention. The first is this, and this maybe is the most important in our culture right now. It is the words that we use in online conversation and social media. Online conversation and social media. Now, I'm a big social media guy. I use it. I love it. Uh, I, I feel that social media can be used to bring the message of God to a lot of people that we normally couldn't reach. Uh, our, our, our online broadcast, as a matter of fact, uh, actually led to the baptism of someone in Memphis, Tennessee a couple of years ago. Think about that. Uh, that, that. That's a very important and powerful thing that, that we're able to do through social media. But like anything, anything can be used for good, but anything can also be used for what? Evil. It can be. And I know some people that stay away from it and they just go, hey, that's the devil's playground. One of the ladies in Kingston, that was her phrase. Facebook is the devil's playground. And I understand that perspective. I, I get that. Because once you put it out there, it's, it's, it's impossible to bring back. And I'm going to tell you something else. It's easy to feel anonymous on social media. It's easy to feel like, well, no one else is really going to see what I'm going to say. It's easy to sit there and be like, well, they can't see me, so I'm just going to put it out there anyway. Text messaging is the same way. It's easier to text something hateful than it is to say something hateful face-to-face with someone. We have to be so careful with the words that we use in, in our online presence and conversations and social media. If for no other reason than because God's paying attention. God's paying. You may have one of these fake profiles that no one that you know knows who you are, but guess what? God is paying attention to every careless word we say. Another thing I believe along these lines I think it's important to mention is parents, you need to read your children's social media accounts daily. Daily. Do not treat your children like they are adults. Your children, they don't deserve privacy. They don't deserve privacy. I locked my dad out of my room one time, and you know what my dad did? He broke the door because I didn't deserve privacy. And until I left home, my door stayed broke where it couldn't shut because I didn't deserve privacy. Your kids are not adults. It doesn't matter if your kid's 15, 16, 17, 18. Guess what your kid is? They are a child. They're a kid. And kids do stupid things. They say stupid things sometimes. Not that we don't, right? But we like to think that we've grown and matured a little bit. So much bullying takes place on social media. And if you think my kid would never do that, your kid will be the first one to do that. The first one to do that. Make sure you're watching the words of your children, that you're training your children the importance of their words because their words can do just as much damage, if not more sometimes, than yours in that particular avenue because they're on it and they live on it all the time. The second thing that I think is important for us to think of when we think about our words is our marriage. 
the future of marriage, I believe, can be predicted by your story of us. And that's a phrase that I heard this week of a guy that he wrote a book, he's a counselor, and he said, I can sit down with a couple and in 30 minutes of counseling, I can tell which way their marriage is going whether it's going in the positive way or negative way. And I think about the marriage counseling that I've done, and, and I understand what he's saying. If you sit down with a couple, and the words that they use start with this, well, she's always doing this, and I don't like it, or he never does, da 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 and goes on and on. How do you think that marriage is going? Good or bad? You know what? The way we talk about our spouse will indicate the direction of our marriage. Guess what? All marriages have problems. If you're married this morning and you don't have problems in your marriage, please raise your hand. Okay. Wiley Dean's the only liar in the bunch. And there's his problem. No. My husband never makes decisions. What if you turn that into, you know what, my husband's just the most relaxed person. He just goes along with anything, lets me do whatever I want to do. How we speak about our spouse will determine the direction of our marriage. Not just that, how our children hear us speaking about our spouse will influence the direction of their marriage as well. If our children see us speaking negatively about our marriage more so than positive, then their view of marriage as they grow up is not going to be positive. It's not going to be. Because the filter you've put in front of them with your words is negative. I'm not saying that you don't have problems in your marriage. I'm saying you don't address those problems and deal with those problems. But especially in front of your children, marriage needs to be a positive, loving thing. Because that's what God wants it to be. That's what God wants it to be. Don't, don't let your children hear the negative talk. And that, that falls into the third thing, self-talk. Your narrative can determine your own future. If you live your life with these phrases, I can't, I'm not able, I never will. Guess what? You won't. You won't. Oh, I can't do that. Have you tried? No, but I can't do that. You know, this is, these are some words that happen in, in, in church work as well. Well, we can't do that. Well, why not? Well, we've just never done that before. I just don't think we can. Guess what? We serve the same God that raised Jesus from the dead. We have the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. We serve the same Savior that, raised, that was raised from the dead. I don't believe there's anything that we've set our, if we set our mind to it that we can't do as a church. The only thing that will stop us is our words. If we look at a situation and go, we can't overcome that, guess what? We never will. If you do that in your own life and you say, I can never accomplish this, you never will. We have to have positive words and surround ourselves with positiveness in our life. All right, let's, let's keep going before we run out of time here. We need to get our words right. That's the next thing. We need to get our words right. Let's pick up back in verse 9 through 12. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grape vine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. I love this idea here. I love what he's saying because we're guilty of this. We're guilty. Somebody in this room, not a prophet, I'm just guessing. Somebody in this room is going to sit here for an hour praising God, worshiping, going to church, and then you're going to sit down at lunch and you're going to say, well, have you heard about so-and-so? 
And the gossip starts at lunch. The gossip starts at lunch. Can you believe what I heard? And what he's saying is he's saying, you can't come in here and sing holy, 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 and then go to Cabo's and talk about the person that sat behind you in church or your neighbor or the person that you work with. He says you can't be lukewarm like that. that that's, what, that's what lukewarmness is when you get in to the book of Revelation. He says that kind of attitude, that kind of life, it makes God sick, makes him want to puke. That's what he says. makes you want to throw you up. Lying words, complaining words, cursing, criticizing, gossip, slander. These are all words that Scripture says we should never use as Christians. We should never use as Christians. Especially towards each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Hey, there's going to be time that we have conflict. That's just just the nature of, of personalities, the nature of dealing with people. It's one thing for me to have conflict with Jake and to go to Jake and deal with that conflict. It's another thing for me to have conflict with Jake and come over here to Alex and criticize Jake and judge Jake and talk about Jake. We have to work through problems. We have to talk about things. We have to use our words sometimes in difficult moments. But he says, as Christians, we should never complain about other Christians. We should never lie about other Christians. We should never curse about them, criticize them, gossip about them, slander them, and not just other Christians. But those are just things we should not do. But those things are fun conversations to have, aren't they? It is fun to sit and talk about other people's problems and how they need to solve them. It's a lot of fun. Otherwise, we wouldn't do it. Rather, throughout Scripture, he says, by yourself and with your brothers and sisters, you praise God together. You encourage one another. You pray for one another. You instruct each other. You thank God for each other and with each other. And you sing praises with one another. That's the words, that's the avenue That's the filter in which our words should come out. Now, verse 13 through 18. We have a, in in, in many Bibles, in my Bible, there's a division here. Um, Divisions are man-made in Scripture. I believe he's having a, a continual thought here. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in humility, that comes from wisdom. How do we know how wise a person is? Usually by the things they what? Say. Usually by the things they say. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it. Think about it. Don't don't say those things. Do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil, for where you have envy and selfish ambition. There you find disorder and envy or in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace, raise a harvest of righteousness. What is your motivation Why do you say the things that you say? Why do you speak the words that you speak? Are you trying to sound smart? 
by earthly standards? Let me tell you what. You turn on any newscast, whether it's a conservative newscast, liberal newscast, newscast right down the middle. How many of you really want to be known by earthly wisdom? How much wisdom is coming from those news? There's a lot of opinions. There's a lot of smart people. But how many of us want our life, want that wisdom to be our standard? I think at the end of the day, I, I think we would be like, I, I, just, I really don't want to have anything to do with that. I don't want that to be my standard. But yet we repeat those things so often. We repeat the words of the smart people in our world so often so that we try to sound just as smart as they do. So people will think that we're wise and we're understanding and all the above. How do you know that I'm wise? How do you know that my wisdom is of God and not of earth? Because my words will be words that define me. Look in verse 18. As a peacemaker. As a peacemaker. And I believe that's the ultimate filter that we look at our words with. The words that I use, do they create conflict or do they create peace? Do they create problems or do they bring unity? It is the cool thing right now to be divisive, to be loud, to, to boast in your own wisdom. It's the thing to be. It gets you followers. It gets you likes. It gets people to pay attention to you. But those words very rarely bring peace. We will never solve the problems of this world in the, way in which, in the same ways in which they were created. They will only be solved with heavenly solutions, with true peacemakers. And our words are a reflection of everything that's in our heart. What comes out of our mouth starts in our heart. And if we are genuinely a spirit-filled peacemaker in our heart, then the words that flow from us will reflect that every single day. Yet of all the things in Scripture that we can talk about, I truly believe James chapter 3 is the easiest thing for us to sit and listen to and the hardest thing for us to live when we walk out of these doors. Because we enjoy hearing our own words sometimes. Even the scriptures say that we can't tame our tongue. But where does it start? It starts with our heart. My question to you this morning is what's in your heart? Is it full of love, grace, peace, and mercy? Or is it full, as he says here, of selfish ambition? Think about those things. Let's pray as we close. God, we thank you for an opportunity to, to study this morning, to be directed and encouraged and challenged, maybe more than anything, by the words that we use. It's something that we all struggle with. It, it is a universal struggle, something that we have in common. We have, we have unity in this struggle. Help us have unity in our effort to overcome it. Help us to love each other enough that when we see a brother or a sister struggling with their words, that in a loving way we use our words to, to instruct, not to criticize, not to judge, but to lovingly encourage back in a direction toward you. 
Help us to be mindful and be a peacemaker every day. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thou art giving and forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed. Thank you again for joining us, and please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or our podcast. We can be found on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast provider. Also, leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember to love like Jesus. Man to man.